Welcome to It Came From The Deep, a narrative podcast series based on the novel by best-selling author Maria Lewis. Chapter 7 We're doing our utmost to locate them. Kaya? Hmm? Did you hear what Sergeant Ferris said? No, sorry, I was just... Thinking, she stifled a yawn and gave her dad an apologetic glance. Turning to face Senior Sergeant Ferris, who was sitting on the couch opposite her and KC, she mumbled an apology. It's okay, Kaya, he said, giving her an understanding smile. I know you've been through an ordeal. You've got a lot to cope with and you must be exhausted. She nodded, as if agreeing wholeheartedly with him. After all... She couldn't exactly explain the reason she was so exhausted was because she'd been up late the night before having a deep and meaningful with an aquatic humanoid. Just thinking the words aquatic humanoid made her need to sit down. Kaya had said the words out loud in her bedroom when she was there by herself and the effect was overwhelming. On the plus side, she wasn't mental. You suspect the Tyler brothers? Storm asked from his position leaning against the kitchen bench with his arms crossed. Kaya sat up a little straighter and tried to look more interested in what the police officer was saying. Sergeant Ferris sighed. I don't want to draw conclusions, but the fact they're missing looks suspicious. That's the line of questioning we're pursuing at the moment. And you've ruled out Chris Ritter? asked Casey. Kaya groaned as her father put a hand on her shoulder in a supportive gesture. Seriously? she asked, looking up at him. I have every right to ask, honey. We did speak to him, Sergeant Ferris said cautiously, but he had a solid alibi. He did mention that you two had a conversation in person the night before the attack. What? her dad said, swivelling in his seat to face her. When? You didn't tell me anything about this, Storm added. We just crossed paths at the Dirty Boogs gig, she said, trying to downplay the situation. He said things got quite heated, Sergeant Ferris countered. Fucking Chris, she thought, rolling her eyes. We saw each other from across the room, so I left, not wanting to have to speak to him. He followed me out onto the street and wanted to talk. I didn't. What did he want to talk about? The officer asked, taking notes. Didn't he tell you this? Just following up, cross-checking the information? Sure, she said. Well... He wanted to apologise for, I guess, siding with the Tylers after the accident and breaking up. And how did you respond to that? I told him I didn't want to speak to him, that what was done was done, and I was just trying to move on with my life. And then I walked to my car, and he left you alone. Yeah. Sergeant Ferris nodded his pen making a final few scribbles on his notepad before he got to his feet, signalling the end of the interview, if you could call it that. Essentially, he had wanted to update the Craigs on how far along they were in the investigation. Put simply, not far. When he had started working his way through the list of potential suspects, Bree Tyler's two brothers had quickly moved to the top when he discovered they were A, back in the country, and B, unable to be located. Their disappearance was being treated as intentional, 
he told Kaya, given that their wallets and mobiles were gone, as well as some clothing. Their car had been located several blocks away from Lake Platz, but it had remained untouched. None of their credit or FPOS cards had been used since the night of the attack. Among their friends and known associates, no one seemed to know where the Tyler brothers were. Kaya did. Or at least, she thought she did. However, her lips were indefinitely sealed. Everyone shook hands with the officers and Sergeant Ferris led the way to the door. Quint was trotting beside her and she patted his head as she followed the police officer outside, pretending to be the polite host while her father and brother stayed inside. When the gate rolled back, she casually trailed after him as he made his way to the car. Sergeant Ferris, she started. Can I ask you something quickly? He paused, surprised. Sure thing, Kaya. Have there been any other attacks in the area over the past few months? Around Lake Plutz? In the broad daylight, Kaya became properly aware of his age for the first time. Sergeant Ferris was much more mature than the other officers she'd met at the hospital. He was on the other side of 50, and his forehead was wrinkling in concentration as he thought about her question for a few seconds. He was still a fit guy, kind of like her dad, but retirement didn't seem that far off for the officer. Actually, he said, his silver eyebrows raising with the realisation, there was one months back, I think. I didn't work the case. Really? She said, trying to keep her tone casual. Was it a similar kind of thing? Sergeant Ferris looked at her, concern etched into his expression. It was a murder. Kaya heard the breath escape from her mouth. I... I didn't hear anything about it. I suspect you wouldn't have. It was just before the Australian titles. Oh, she said, with understanding. Kaya would have missed any sort of coverage because she'd been embroiled in her own drama. Did they ever catch the killer? Killers, he corrected. There were two, and no, it remains an open investigation. A colleague of mine is still working the case, but the media theory was that it was a home invasion gone wrong or a case of mistaken identity. The place was trashed. Who was the victim? How could you confuse someone you intended to kill? The MO has never really been clear, said Sergeant Ferris. The deceased was a professor at Hodgkins University. No known enemies or reasons why anyone would want him killed. But there were two attackers, just like there were two men who came after me. Sergeant Ferris had been reaching for the car door when he paused, looking back at her. These were very different crimes, Kaya, and in my experience as a cop, usually the simplest explanation is the right one. Right, she murmured. The Tyler brothers had the most reason to hurt me, and if they're missing, then it's probably the Tyler brothers. Spot on, he said, before pausing again. But let me check in with my colleague anyway, see if there's anything in it. Thank you, Kai replied, smiling as she took a step away from the car and he started the engine. She was about to walk inside when he wound down the window and leaned out slightly. You know, he said, a smirk pulling up one side of his face. If you ever think about swapping the surf for a real job, let me know. Police? she asked with a grimace. 
Just a thought, Sergeant Ferris said, turning on his indicator to pull onto the road. We always need more women on the force. Kyle let out a small laugh at that, watching as the officer drove off and Quint barked his farewells. Kai was nervous about going back to Lake Palatz that night. A part of her wondered if she had dreamed the whole thing, meeting Amos and discovering what really was below the surface. But then she thought about how she had believed she was crazy, that it had all been in her head. She had doubted herself then. It was time now not only to believe in the extraordinary, but to believe in herself. As she slowly dismounted her bike, jogging alongside it before placing it in the bushes. Kai's nerves were increased tenfold. Across the opposite side of the lake, at the house where Amos had said he and his father once lived, there was something going on. The property was illuminated, and she could see half a dozen silhouettes moving around inside. Torchlights irradiated the back of the property as two other people looked for... something... Even though it was pitch black and she couldn't have been further away from them across the water, Kaya stayed crouched down and low to the ground as she scurried to the start of where the reeds were thickest. She kept her eyes trained on the house, fearful of whether those torchlights would keep expanding further around the lake. Police. Kaya jumped, falling back off her heels and onto her butt in an ungraceful fashion. It was Amos, obviously his face peering out at her and barely visible from within the reeds. Amos, she breathed. You scared me to death. Sorry, he said, moving closer to the edge of the path and resting his chin on the concrete there. You looked worried. I am, she whispered, trying to pull herself together. It's midnight. What are they doing at your old house at this time of night? They've been there since dusk. They're going over it. One last time, I heard a man say. Amos, how close did you get? You should be careful. If any of them saw you... I can hide myself when I want to. They saw nothing. She gulped. Right. Of course you can. My father was very clear about what would happen if people like that found me. It wasn't good. What's that? Looking down at the package in her hands, Kai handed it to him. It's for you. Food. Probably more than you want, to be honest, but I hated the idea of you having to wait for people's scraps. He had been rapidly undoing the aluminium foil she had wrapped six different types of fish in when he paused, staring at her intently. Well, go on, she said, waving away the feeling of slight discomfort. Dig in. I didn't bring any drinks or anything because I guess that... I don't, Amos blurted, cutting her off as he swallowed an entire piece of salmon hole but thank you. You're welcome. Kaya brought her knees together, hugging herself as she remained sitting on the edge of the lake while Amos ate in the darkness. Her gaze flicked back to the police as they continued to go through the house, looking for God knows what. I think that's my fault, she said, nodding at the scene. The police? he asked, pausing mid-mouthful. Yeah, there's an officer who has been staying in touch with me and I started asking him some questions today, trying to find out what happened to your father. You did. She turned to face him, feeling guilty about having to tell anyone this kind of news. It's not good, Amos. You were right. He's dead. He nodded, eyes dropping downwards. She knew it was what he had suspected. 
but that wouldn't make hearing the information any less painful. They said he was shot by two men, but they never came up with any real suspects. Did he suffer? What? Pain. Did he suffer pain when they killed him? In the news articles I could find online, Kaya said, the killers apparently shot him once in the leg and then again in the head. He was silent at that, placing a piece of fish that had been destined for his mouth back down onto the foil. The police told the media they thought it was an accident, an execution that was meant for someone else. He had some kind of home lab set up that they destroyed as well. Thank you, he said quietly. What for? Kaya frowned. For finding out, for telling me. She nodded, not sure if she really deserved a thank you for that. He didn't look up at her, instead focusing his gaze intently on the fish. Something glistened around his neck, and for the first time Kaya noticed he wore a necklace. Well, it wasn't a necklace as such. It looked like an old, long silver chain that was designed more for practicality than aesthetic appeal. It seemed to dangle to midway down his torso, but she couldn't see if anything hung at the end of it because the rest of his body was covered by the reeds. Glancing at the expression on his face, the grief that was evident there, and she knew he needed to be alone. Even though she'd been there for little more than 20 minutes, Kaya got to her feet. I'll see you tomorrow, Amos. He nodded, but didn't vocalise a goodbye. With the slightest bristling sound, he disappeared and Kaya took her leave. On the ride home, she figured it was probably a good thing they kept their visit short that night. There was too much activity at the lake. All it would take was for someone to find her there and suddenly Kaya would be forced to respond to questions she didn't have the answers to. It was well after midday when Kaya finally woke up. Even Storm had been active for hours when she emerged from her bedroom, bleary-eyed. He shouted a quick, "'Afternoon, sis!' as he dashed out of the house, surfboard under his arm. Kaya followed his movement as he leaped off the back steps and sprinted across the sand. She could see why. Clean sets of five-foot waves were breaking offshore, thanks to a steady southerly wind. She was only surprised Storm hadn't been out there earlier. A quick check of the family surfboard rack in the garage confirmed what she had suspected. KC was out there too. He'd probably been in the water since sunrise. This suited her intentions perfectly, as Kaya had work to do. She was officially taking herself off house arrest and heading to the library. It was not somewhere she frequented, ever, and she had to look up the address of the nearest branch. It was only a 15-minute car trip, and she whipped up a quick bowl of muesli, fruit and yoghurt that she could eat while she drove. She had a spoon dangling out of her mouth as she stepped out of the house, only to find Cabby at her front door. Hey, her friend grinned. Hey, Kyra replied, awkwardly swallowing a mouthful. What are you doing here? I was bored, it's a Saturday. Thought I'd come annoy ya. I'm honoured. Actually, I'm surprised you're not out in the surf, like, I don't know, everyone else we've ever met ever. Kaya laughed. No, I slept in. Fancy staying dry for one day. I'm actually off to the library. The... I'm sorry, what? You, at the library. I read? I'm having a very hard time imagining it. What could you, Kaya Craig, possibly be going to the library for on a glorious Saturday? 
Ah, she started, fidgeting where she stood. I was going to go look up, uh, mermaid stories. Girl, just a few. You still on that? Well, no. I mean, I've stopped going to Lake Platz, Kyle lied. Good. But I'm still curious. It's because I got talking about Mama Water, isn't it? A little bit, yeah. Then I started reading about other stories and... Fine, Cabby said, crossing her arms. Let's go to the library and look up mermaid stories. Really? Kaya said, surprised. You'll come with me, judgment-free. Oh no, my judgment is coming too. But after we do this, we're going somewhere to get pizza and have a drink. I don't drink. It's not all about you, Blondie. With a smile, she followed Cabby to her car and they piled in. Kaya started to give her directions to the local branch, but her friend already knew where it was. It was situated next to a daycare centre and the excited cries of children playing rang out as the girls navigated their way through the car park. The outside walls of the building had been painted as part of a community art project and it was difficult to spot the entry among the colourful patterns and amateur designs. Inside, it didn't feel like the kind of library Kaya was expecting. This was the Gold Coast, after all, not New York, so she quickly dispelled any notions of spiral staircases and towering columns of ancient volumes. Instead, it was well lit with beautiful natural light filtering in through several skylights. There wasn't anyone hunched over dusty books reading by the dull illumination of a lamp. Rather, readers were propped up on colourful pillows or wedged into spaces at various window seats that lined the circular structure. It was like a big sphere of learning, Kaya thought, passing a bench of computers that were occupied by people busily tapping away on the keyboards. Kaya wasn't precisely sure what she was looking for, or even how to search for it. So she began absentmindedly browsing the aisles while Cabby strolled off towards the LGBTQI romance section. Passing the fantasy area, children's books, and finally true crime, she began inching her way towards the encyclopedias. There were so many thick volumes with tiny gold writing, she almost turned around and went home. Her fingers trailed over the names of the various titles until she got the distinct impression someone was watching her. She jumped as she passed an empty spot on the shelf, only to see Cabby's face staring back at her from the other side of the aisle. Ooh, Cab, you freaked me out, Kaya whispered over the top of her friend's high-pitched laughter. Why would you do that? Why not, she said, joining Kaya on the other side. Anyway, you are so in the wrong spot. Follow me. Cabby grabbed a book by its spine as she passed, then gestured for Kaya to come with her. She took a sharp right turn until they were standing in a very narrow aisle. Her eyes followed the subject headings until she came to a stop under one that said, Myths, Folklore. Kaya's head was in line with another reading, UFOs, Paranormal. And she wondered, not for the first time, what she had got herself into. Cabby was stretching to try and reach a dark blue book, Medieval Mermaids, and Kaya made use of her height, grabbing it for her. Thanks, she said. I'm a hobbit. I'm a giant, so let's call it even. Can you grab those two? Ooh, and that big one. Yeah, that should about do us. Two hours later, 
Kai was somehow sitting at a workstation with Cabby, their heads both buried in books about historical accounts of mermaids and mermen. Cabby was scrolling rapidly on a tablet, consumed by the information and consulting back to the book she had open in front of her. Kai was hypnotised by the illustrations of a man named Gustave Dor. He had drawn horrific images of gigantic sea monsters, snarling and hissing at ancient heroes or snapping at the feet of naked damsels in distress. The black and white drawings were so detailed she kept getting lost in the bleakness of his work. There was a deep unease spreading through her stomach and Kai tried to direct her attention back to the text. Huh, this is interesting, she started. It says here, in 1493, that Columbus reported seeing mermaids near the Caribbean. He said they rose high out of the sea but were not as beautiful as they are represented. Yeah, I keep coming across a lot of old accounts from pirates and sailors right up until the late 1800s. Then it kind of just stops. There was supposed to be an omen of bad luck, tricking men into giving up their gold and drowning them in the depths. Cabby smiled. There's a widely accepted theory they were just dolphins, that the men had gone nuts from spending too much time at sea. Or they were horny and everything looked bangable to them at that point. That sounds... Kaya's sentence danced away in her mind as it hit her. These men most likely weren't crazy. What if they had seen actual mermaids and mermen, just like she had seen Amos? What she had taken for a superfluous myth, like the Loch Ness Monster or Yowie, was now suddenly much more relevant. These could be some of the first historical accounts of humans coming in contact with Amos's people. Because if she was sure of anything, it was that there had to be more than one. He had to have come from somewhere. She just hadn't built up the courage to ask him yet. The aspect that creeped her out the most, though, was that universally, mer people were considered not a good thing. Whether that's because their beauty cloaked evilness or they were malicious tricksters, there didn't seem to be a positive story among the accounts, excluding a fairy tale by Hans Christian Andersen. The most recent sightings I can find are these two, said Cabby, passing over her iPad. What's that? Kaya asked staring at a grainy picture of a dark blue object. She zoomed back until the whole scale of the image was clearer. It was still a mystery to her. That's supposed to be a mermaid off the coast of this town in Israel in 2009. Someone tried to take a photo of it. Apparently dozens of people spotted it doing aerial tricks, that kind of thing. Sounds ridiculous, she murmured, thinking of how shy and secretive Amos was. It made sense to assume most of his kind were like that, if they were out there. I know, but a $1 million award was offered up to anyone who could bring in proof of its existence. By who? What? Cabby asked, glancing up from the screen. Who offered up the reward? I mean, a million dollars is a lot of money, but even more so when you think about how crazy this story sounds. Who would risk a million dollars on that? Either someone who was really sure or really desperate, she mused. Anyway, in 2012 in Zimbabwe, work was stopped on these two reservoirs because the workers claimed they were being pestered by mermaids and mermen. Any proof? She shook her head. As usual, no. 
But the National Water Minister did put out a press release about it. As you do, Kaya snorted. There was a crackle over the intercom before an announcement that the library was shutting in 15 minutes. With a triumphant roll of her shoulders, Cabby slammed shut the book that was resting in her lap. Well, come on. I promised I'd helped, and you promised me pizza. That's true. Kaya smiled, getting to her feet. Were we thinking? Ninja Turtles, Cabby said, strolling back to the section where they had first retrieved the books. Storm loves that place. Of course he does. He's a 21-year-old man-child. A Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles-themed pizza bar is exactly the kind of joint built for people like him. Kaya laughed, acknowledging that Cabby wasn't wrong. In fact, if she remembered correctly, Storm either knew the owners or had made friends with them. It was less than a 10-minute drive to Burley Heads and Ninja Turtles, which had been a butcher's shop when Kai was growing up. The butcher had closed down a few years ago, and this place had opened up instead, surprising a lot of locals who didn't think themed anything could work on the Gold Coast. But the cafe and food culture in the city was changing, evolving, getting hipper. Ninja Turtles was the result of that with a cluster of tables and deceptively comfortable old couches at the front of the restaurant. Inside was basically just a bar designed for hanging out, with a few novelty pinball machines and arcade games, featuring the totally radical turtles, of course. It was early on Saturday afternoon, so the place wasn't yet packed, only a few stragglers left over from the lunch crowd, and otherwise too early for the evening rush. Ordering at the counter... Kaya got the impression she had been right about Storm knowing some of the staff. The guy behind the counter gave her a nod as if he recognised her, and she smiled politely, her gaze darting back down to the menu. Over here, Cabby said, waving Kaya over to a choice spot she'd wrangled under a display of skateboard decks that had been painted with different versions of the characters. What did you get? Kaya asked, flopping down into a huge armchair. The Veggio Supreme, you? Four cheeses. Oh, that's good. With a thin crust? Mmm, I'll be stealing a slice. Of <laughs> course you will. In my defence, I'm riding the crimson wave right now and have the will to eat three times what I would usually. No judgement here, Kai replied, holding up her hands. My PMS just consists of painful cramps and a weird craving for pickles. Always pickles for some reason. I sense you mean actual pickles rather than... God, no, she laughed. Real pickles, the kind you get from a grocer. The two girls laughed for a moment, settling into the conversation. So, Cabby said, taking a slow sip from the glass of red wine she'd ordered and watching Kaya. So? So, is your curiosity sufficiently sated after the library? Kaya let out a breath. I mean, maybe. I don't know. It's just an itch I felt I had to scratch. You've swapped late-night adventures for books, though, which is an improvement. Yeah, sure. Thank you for coming with me, by the way, and not burning you at the stake. Whoa, Kaya scoffed, raising her eyebrows. Metaphorically. And you're welcome. I don't think what you saw or what you think you saw is impossible. It's maybe more likely that it was something else, but... There's no harm in trying to get answers. Answers, she said. I don't know if those... Peace of mind, then. 
My ma is a big believer in that shit as a psychiatrist. She reckons healing yourself is a journey and you're going to that lake, looking up books, whatever else you need to do. Those are steps on that journey. Kaya considered her friend for a moment, leaning back in her chair. You're pretty damn wise, you know? Cabby grinned. It's the wine. Ha! <laughs> Kaya laughed. Of course. I should have known adult drinks maketh the adult. Plus, I've got to hold 12 months on you. When you're 19, you can sort this all out for yourself. Nah, she smiled, taking a sip of her apple juice. I'd rather still rely on you to help me. Fair enough. Physically, Cabby and she couldn't have been less alike. When Kaya stood to her full height, she towered over her friend by several inches. In a pair of denim cut-off shorts and thongs that had fake shells woven into straps, she was a stick. When she was growing up, the boys had called her beanpole and shouted about her chest being so flat it made the walls jealous. Boys were assholes. Cabby, on the flip side, was short, curvy and muscular. She looked like an athlete. Her skin was closer to black than brown, and when she smiled, it seemed to light up everything in the nearby vicinity. Kaya envied her ability to hand out smiles like that so liberally and naturally. It had been quite a while since hers felt anything but forced. Their pizzas were delivered to the table, and they remained in silence for a while tearing into the first few slices. One thing they definitely had in common was a ferocious appetite. Listen, Cabby said, wiping her hands on a serviette as she swallowed a bite. If the books don't do it, if there's still more stuff you want to know or... Steps to take on the healing journey? Cabby laughed, clicking her fingers at Kaya. Yes, exactly. I know a marine biologist you could talk to. You do? Kaya blinked. Oh, I'm at uni too, you know. Got other shit going on besides this sport. I know, I just... I don't think I've ever even met a marine biologist, which I suppose is weird living on the Gold Coast. Okay, so full disclosure, I kind of know him. I've met him once, but if you wanted to go talk to him, I could set it up. Is he local? Yeah, it's actually one of Imogen's older brothers. He works at SeaWorld. Really? Kaya murmured, thinking about it while she bit into another slice of pizza. Thing is, the only person I've spoken to about this is you, and I'm super fortunate you haven't told anyone that I've lost the plot. How would I broach this with a stranger? How would I talk around that subject? Cabby nodded, taking another sip of her wine. I couldn't just show up at SeaWorld and start asking questions. It would be strange as hell. You're right, Cabby agreed. Go on a date, maybe. What? I think her brother's straight, or at least I got that vibe. He's definitely single. You could go on a date with him and start asking questions about his work. I'm terrible on dates, Kaya admitted. It took forever for Chris to get me to go out with him on our first date, and I liked him. Okay, well, just a thought. Let's park it she said, before picking up her last piece of pizza and finishing it in a matter of seconds. Although she'd been reluctant to go out, to do anything social, Kaya actually enjoyed her time there with Cabby. They stayed right up until about 8pm 
when the Saturday night business really began to roll in. When Cabby dropped her home that evening, Kaya had already resolved to head back to Lake Palutz. Amos had enough food to last him for a few days without a visit if it came to that. But now she had questions. Hundreds of them. She was burning to ask them. This chapter of It Came From The Deep was read by Sophie Parr and produced by Adam Boys at Thaumaturgy Post-Production Services. It Came From The Deep is the third novel from Maria Lewis and available physically from all good bookstores and library as well as online. It's also part of her Aurealis award-winning Supernatural Sister series, which includes Who's Afraid, Who's Afraid 2, Who's Still Afraid, The Witch Who Caught a Death, The Wailing Woman, The Rose Daughter, and more. This is the narrative podcast series with new chapters releasing every week and bonus episodes dropping in between with author Maria Lewis and myself, Blake Howard, breaking down the plot, inspirations, and writing process. It Came From The Deep is part of One Heat Minute Productions.